Good morning, Calvary. Um, sorry about the unusual circumstances today. I've had a cold all week and it has resulted in me having a pretty much continual nosebleed <laughs> that I've had to really kind of deal with. So we're recording this live from my office about 6.30 in the morning on Sunday. And hopefully I can still get the message in and you can still see it. Happy Father's Day to the fathers out there. I want to jump right in. We're talking about the wrapping up the series on where there is smoke. We're dealing with relationships. And the goal of the series is to realize that by the time there is smoke, the fire is usually already raging. We need to try and extinguish the flames before the fire ever gets started. So we've been going through the six antithesis statements that were found in Matthew chapter 5. And the first two dealt with the fire from within. The third one, as Drew covered last week, dealt with the fire within the marriage. But the fourth or sixth deal with others with relationships. In Matthew 5, 33 through 37, we're going to kind of go through 4, 5, and 6 today. In Matthew 5, uh, 33 through 37, we see the fourth one when it says, Again, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is city that is his great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black, but let your yes mean yes, or your no mean no. Anything more than this is of the evil one. Now what you're finding here in this passage is that lying had become such a habit to them that they had to say oaths. Have you ever been there where you've done stuff in your life that you just like, it becomes such a repetitive pattern of your life that all of a sudden you have to kind of counteract that? That's what had happened here. And so I want to ask you this, why do we lie? Why do we lie? If lying is the uh, smoke, what is the fire that's burning in? Well, the answer is we lie in order to deceive, to get our way, to do this in such a pattern of life that we have to swear to prove that this time we were actually telling the truth was what Jesus was trying to do. He was saying, if you lie so much that it becomes such a regular part of your ladder that this time you're sitting there going, no, this time I mean the truth. No, this time I promise I'm, I'm not lying because you are known by your reputation for your lying. Then what really has happened is it's become such a pattern of your life that you don't know how to escape it. So by this time, the smoke has already billowed. And really what you're saying is smoke is the lying and the fire is the intent to deceive. So when he's saying the intent to deceive, what he's really talking about is you're trying to get things your own way. You're using your relationships for the benefit of yourself. You're trying to do things the way you want it, to get what you want. As we go into Matthew 5, 38 through 42, we see the next one of these. You have heard it that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer on the contrary, if anyone slaps you in your right cheek, turn to the other one, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, what was going on in this passage was... Jesus was talking to the Jews. In that time, the Roman soldiers could have asked any single person to carry their uh, stuff, their garb, for a mile for them because they were tired. And, and so they could have stopped and said, hey, the law allows you to take and make you carry this, carry my stuff so I don't have to carry it for a mile. And what he's saying is, at that point, carry it another mile. Now, what's the big deal about this? 
Um, really what he's saying there, and the reason he brings that into the same passage where he talks an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, is because of what he's saying is he's trying to get to the heart of what they're feeling. What they were feeling at that time was anger. They were feeling uh, bitterness. They weren't doing this because they wanted to do it. They were doing it because they felt like I had to do it. And he's saying, try to have the good attitude and do what you need to be done. But in the reality, if they could have, most of the Jews would have probably slapped the Roman soldiers across the face. Would you have wanted to do that? Has someone ever wronged you in a way that you sit there and you go, man, I wish they wouldn't do this. I wish they would, um, I wish I could get them back. I wish that I could show them what they're doing to me. And, and really what you're looking there is, is retaliation, not justice. Justice, the Lord loves. Justice is about making things right. But justice is never retaliation or revenge. Retaliation and retribution are not about making things right, but are used rather to make others suffer. Is it wrong for you to want to make someone else feel the way that you have wronged, have been wronged? Well, yeah. But why are we looking to do this? Why do we want to have retribution and retaliation? Why do we want to make people get mad and feel what we are feeling? We want others to see and feel how they robbed us of our dignity. We want them to feel the pain that we've felt. But the problem is, when others rob us of our dignity, we, we, we're looking to try to make them feel that for the purpose of somehow having empathy. And that's not empathy. When we rob others of their dignity, we're taking them away from what God intended them to do. So why do we do this? Well, we often go and attack against them with retaliation or passive retaliation, which is complaining, uh, hoping that they'll not do it again, hoping that they'll somehow realize the pain and maybe that they'll somehow want to say, I'm sorry, make uh, amends. Do you ever notice how we do this? I, I mentioned this statement a while ago, the passive retaliation. Have you ever noticed how passive retaliation, the complaining is when we gather with our friends, maybe it's you gather with him and you go, D, can you believe so-and-so did this? Can you believe that guy did that? Can you believe, I can't believe that they did this. And, and we feel good about it for a little bit, but it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking that this is a holier response than actually going after them. But what it really is, is passive retaliation. It's complaining. And our society is full of people who are complaining. Our society is full of people who are trying to, to I mean, just look on social media all the time. Ed Stetzer even came out with a book um, recently talking about trying to overcome the social media complaining and trying to make ourselves feel better. In an article of Psychology Today, it explains the damage of this. We complain today more than ever in the history, but few of our complaints get us the results we want. Instead, we usually find ourselves repeating the same tale of woe or dissatisfaction to one person after another in an effort to rid ourselves of our frustration. Of course, even if the person is compassionate enough to validate our emotions, we typically find ourselves reliving the aggravation every time we tell the tale. The problem is that we associate the act of complaining with venting far more than we do the problem solving. And as a result, we complain simply to get things off our chest, not to resolve problems or to create change, rendering the vast majority of our complaints completely ineffective. In other words, 
We complain to get things off our chest. But complaining without the intent of resolving, the complaining without the, the intent of trying to make things right or seeking after justice, ultimately make things worse. There's some science, even though it's disputed, suggests that the more you complain, the more likely you are to choose negative over positive thinking in your long run. Fascinatingly, for your brain, it actually rewrites itself. It is an attempt to make easier and adapt to the reaction in the future. That's why it rewrites itself. And the results are, are clear if this is true. That negativity ultimately breeds more negativity. In addition, complaining without the intent of resolution may also increase the likelihood of a decrease in your brain's ability to remember, depression, insomnia, digestive problems, and high blood pressure. Now, how do, does all of this um, resonate with what Jesus said? An eye for an eye, two for two, but I tell you, go the extra mile, turn the other cheek. He's not actually talking about the physical action. What he's talking about is the heart. The heart. Maybe today your spouse didn't treat you the way you thought they should. Maybe they forgot it was Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Maybe you um, got an argument yesterday with your kid. Maybe somebody at work has treated you wrong. And, and what you're really thinking and feeling in that moment is, man, I deserve better than this. I wish they would feel what they're doing to me. And, and a lot of times what we want when we do that is if they felt what I feel, then they wouldn't do that to me. Well, that may or may not be true. But getting them to feel what you feel is not going to make things better. It's not going to restore their dignity by damaging and attacking them. It's not going to restore your dignity. In fact, it's going to lower both of your dignities when you, when you go and attack someone. Because when you attack someone, you're taking away the dignity of what God wants for your life. And when someone else is feeling not that God loves them and, and they're understanding that they were made with value and dignity, then ultimately what ends up happening is you're both damaging each other. And so retribution, retaliation always leads to things that aren't holy and wise. Now, is there a place for justice? Yes. Is there a place for consequences? Yes. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is trying to make things right and saying, I'm going to go above and beyond to forgive, to love, to cherish those I care about, to cherish uh, the people I work with, to, to cherish the people that I interact act with in life. And I'm going to do the best I can to live my life above and beyond reproach. One of the things that really talked about a lot in this section was the, the idea of passive uh, retaliation, which is complaining, gossip. Let's say it what it is. Gossip destroys the church. Gossip destroys unity. Gossip destroys so many things. And it's so easy to do. And what we end up doing is we're trying to get people on our side. But as I just mentioned earlier, it destroys you and can lead to a place where you're always complaining. And you can always... So if, when you find the people that you need to work things through, the difference is you're looking for a solution. You're looking for a resolution. You're, you're saying this frustrated me. Now, how do I handle this in a Christ-like way? Not this frustrated me. I want you to feel my pain with me. This frustrated me. Now, would you walk beside me with this? That's not going to help. In fact, complaining, just to complaining, does not help anyone, but rather attacks the other person's dignity while damaging your own. And until we see others as Christ sees them, we will not truly understand how Christ sees us.
We are destroying them as well as ourselves. We are not living out the gospel. Jesus said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't do that. Go and walk the extra mile with your heart, with your actions. Go and help other people see that by loving them and elevating them through their pain, through raising them up, even though they have attacked you, by showing them they have dignity and worth, you're showing and reflecting something that is registered in you. And maybe that's just maybe why we retaliate is because we don't understand what the gospel, the good news of Jesus has done for us. We feel like other people can have the right to destroy our dignity. And they can't unless you give them the reins. They can't control how you feel about yourself. Our worth and our value comes when we trust in the power of Jesus. The smoke is retaliation, but the fire is bitterness. And bitterness, like I always say, doesn't make you better, like a pound of butter will just ruin your heart. So Jesus was saying, let go of the bitterness and run to me and find your value and worth in me. And then you can forgive as I have forgiven you. And you can love as I loved you. Easy to do, right? Easy to do with the people we love. No, it's not easy. But Jesus didn't stop there. In fact, with the sixth antithesis statement, and the sixth element of smoke, if you will, that we're trying to put out before it ever gets started, he talks about something even more difficult. Matthew 5, 43 through 48, it says this, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteousness and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, reward will you have. Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary. Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as the heavenly Father is perfect. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. Now, this one's kind of hard to talk about. I mean, really, it's easy to identify because the smoke is hatred. And so what we've talked about in all the other ones is there's a smoke that comes up. And when the smoke shows up, we, we know that there's some underlying thing. We have to dig down deep and try to find out what is it underneath that's causing that smoke. Well, here's what's causing the smoke of hatred. Ready for this? The fire is hatred. It is what it is. So why do we hate in our society? We fool ourselves into justifying our hate, um, our hate because we adopt a worldview that justifies our actions. We see how everybody else is hating. We see that everybody else is mad and angry. And and what ends up happening is we come to the place where we have friends. We have enemies. Everybody in our society will try to find people who are on our side, whether it's a political party or uh, based on race identity or placed on gender identity or whatever it might be. You're looking for people who will validate the way you live. And those who don't, The natural reaction is, well, you're not with me. Um, I love the saying that's going around, and many people have said it now. We've bought into a lie in our society that says, if, if you don't agree with someone, then they hate you, and you hate them. Well, that's just not true. You can disagree and still love them. 
You can show them the passion of Christ, Jesus did, when he gave his life on the cross. And so what we're really trying to do is, is to understand we will never find the peace of Christ unless we elevate everyone and attempt to see them as God sees them. And what is coming out of your mouth will always represent what is burning inside. So here's the question. Is it of Jesus or of this world? Negativity, complaining, anger, animosity will never lead to hope. And so here's what I'd like to challenge us to do this week. As we've talked about the fire and the smoke, we've talked about all those different elements, I want you to look deep within. I'd like you to ask yourself, and as I'm asking myself, this series has really challenged me. And I want you to ask yourself, what is it in you that's causing what comes out of your mouth, the smoke that is billowing out of your mouth, not to be that of Christ? And let's extinguish the flame that, that's burning within. So the Monday morning application for this week is difficult, like the others have been, but it's very good. Where it's saying, I want you to try to go one week trying diligently to see others as made in the image of God. One whole week trying to see others as made in the image of God. Say, I do that anyways. Well, try to go a week without robbing the other person of their dignity and their words and actions. Try not to gossip. Try not to say ill words. Try not to complain. When at all possible, give other people the benefit of the doubt. And remember, there's a difference in complaining and venting or complaining and trying to... Complaining without the purpose of resolving the issue is just complaining and it won't help. But if you can try to spend your time resolving the issue and try to think the way to help others restore and find their dignity in their marriage and your, your kid's life and your, your work and even those that you don't agree with, what would it look like if we did that on Facebook? What would it look like if we, we really valued people? What would it look like if we looked deep within our hearts, our minds, our soul, and really tried to find a way to help others see the beauty of Christ? Well, that's what we're trying to do. And how do we do that? We look to the cross. In just a moment, Chris is going to lead us in a time where we, we practice communion and communion around here is the common unity. And the unity we have is that we were all made in the image of God, that Christ died for us. As we take and share this this morning, I want you to be um, reminded of what Jesus did on the cross for us, how he guided us, how he guarded us, how he came and lived for us and lived a perfect life so that you and I might know him. If you don't have a relationship with him today, I'd encourage you to look into your heart and say, well, I need this. Would you go by the next step space and, and talk to our staff about that? And as we have a time of communion today, I want you to look into your own heart and your mind and ask, what do I need to do and become so that Christ can move in me? Sorry about the unusual circumstances today, guys. I love you. I'm just thrilled I got through this without anything worse. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. And I ask even now, that you would use this time to glorify you, that you would be exalted in every way possible. In your name we pray, amen.